Hey, Chris Manning here from Locked on Cavs. Coming up on today's show, Evan and I are going to talk about Cavs Blazers and then the legend himself, Jay Crawford from WKYC. You probably know him best from ESPN. Uh, we just, he came on and he cooked. We were the point guards. He was the, the shooter with the hot hand on, on the spot. You'll hear him today. And we talked to him for so long that you're going to hear him tomorrow as well, along with Stephanie Haney from WKYC. So big week for us, big uh, partnership with us, with our friends at WKYC. And uh, hopefully this means Ben Oxrod will finally get me that cold reveals me. But today's episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the app and join Evan and I later today, uh, sometime after 5 p.m., probably closer to 7 or 8, to get in on the action Locker Room, changing the way we talk about sports. On the give up, Mo Williams closed the pot, took a kick at the shot clock, Cavs in trouble, backdoor cut, run around, covered up, Farishaw has to fire a prayer, got it! Can you believe it? A little touche on Curry stop side. Irving goes inside to Berger. Lays it up and in. We're tied. A steal. Here comes Douglas. Trying to get to the rim. Blocked from behind by Berger. A Portuguese chase down. Berger shot. Go lost. Go down and he smashed it. 89-71. LeBron pocket pass to Berger. That's how they Evan. That was a weird game. Yeah, it was. I forgot TJ Leaf signed with the Blazers. Um, this got out of hand quick. Uh, for the well, not quick necessarily, but like third quarter, and then heading into the fourth, it really got out of hand. And um, for those of you listening, I sound a little froggy. My allergies are really kicking my buns right now. Um, it just kind of it was easier for me to mentally check out and start thinking about when I can pop my Nyquil because just to clear the system entirely. But yeah, this was certainly a game. Um, it was fun. Anderson Verzhov played, and that was neat. Cavs still had a bunch of injuries. Cavs lose one forty one to one hundred five. Damian Lillard had thirty two points for the Portland Trailblazers. He's who, so good. Who had six players in double figures? Uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers were led by 18 from Kevin Love, uh, 15 from Colin Sexton, 16 from Dean Wade. And then, as you, and as you alluded to, uh, Anderson Virgil plays only in the fourth quarter, plays seven minutes, has one point that came from the free throw and had six rebounds and a block to go with an assist. It was 0-4 from the field. Uh, Evan, um, I, I you know, giving MVPs is weird, but who's your MVP pick? Um. Well, Anderson Verzhal, just for the ch- shits and gigs, but I think I'm going to go Dean Wade on this one, actually. Dean Wade was one of Cleveland's better players uh, in terms of plus-minus. I think he was the bet. No, nope, uh, Jared Allen was. He was a positive, too. But, so Dean Wade was second with minus, t- or no, well, at least in playing meaningful minutes, he was minus 12. Uh, he had 16 points. He had hit three or four of his three-pointers. Dean Wade just had a pretty good night overall. So just some encouraging signs for Kevin Love possibly being replaced by Larry and Dean, so maybe you can not replicate the production, but Julie Gavolt, it's not hard to re- replicate the production Kevin Love's providing lately. And I know you don't want to talk about it, but I had to say hit. <laughs> uh, just incredible that he had a plus-minus of minus 45. Yeah. Um, like, that. that's 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 art, my friend. It's, or or if it's, it, it's like one of the counterfeit art you buy on, on, the, on the boat in Animal Crossing. You know what, man? I know we talk about how players individually don't care about teams and their draft picks, but I think Kevin Love is the exception to this rule. He cares so much about the Cavs and their draft pick, and hopefully the Cavs get Kate Cunningham, because if he's stuck here, he might as well have some good players with him, you know? Yeah. Uh, Drew, Who's your uh, MVP pick, though? I mean, Verge is the obvious one. I, 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 I guess I just have to go with uh, 
I don't even know, I guess. Like, you know, salute to Roger Thomas for coming in and, like, looking a little bit alive. He almost killed my man Andy, so I don't know about that one. (laughs) I literally held my breath when I watched that happen. I'm just like, oh, no. Because was it a friend of the pod, number one Cavs beat reporter, Ashley Bastock, who said Anderson Verichow is going to have a lacrosse mom. Lacrosse mom. If you know, you know. Ashley, you're welcome to the show anytime. But didn't she say she worried that he was going to have a Bogut moment? I'm like, oh, no, Ashley was right. That's like my exact thought when that foul happened. So, yeah, that was tough. Um, you know, Colin, thank you, thank you for acknowledging me after I, I, deep sighing. Evan, I that was traumatic. That moment was generally like if Anderson Verjao tears his ACL, like pulls a bogut right now. Oh, I'd die <laughs> we, a little bit inside. We, we would not be recording this podcast probably. Um, oh, we would It'd just be a lot more of a bummer than it usually is. Yeah, I just got to say, Dean Wade, I think might be a real NBA player, and that's a win. Um, yeah, shouts to the Cavs player development staff. Yes. All right, Evan, stat of the night. What do you got? Oh, boy, oh, boy. Points to the paint. Portland scored 64, Cleveland's 34. It was pretty obvious when Enos Cantor was getting such easy looks in the paint, along with Yusuf Nurkic. Um, the Blazers used a little bit of the Cavs' own medicine on them and attacked from the inside, then worked their way out and made Cleveland look pretty bad. And that's just not a good thing. Uh, Jared Allen looked pretty bad defensively at times tonight. That's that's pretty noticeable for me. What about you? Yeah, everything's a little bit goofy right now. Um. I got to just say that I my stat is just the the fact that the Cavs um shot like 40% from the field and the Blazers like shot 57.6. Yeah, it's it's weird. I mean, I guess another notable stat is the fact that CJ McCollum was part of the reason that bad shooting like he was 3 of 14 and Isaac Okoro was spending most of the night defending him. Um Maybe JB. Isaac Okoro Isaac is very good, folks. That's all. That's all I'm going to say. I'm for the Friday show, and we'll maybe talk about this next week. I I think there's like a real all rookie case for him, even though it's sort of hard to make. But I, I think there is one, and should he should be part of that conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, I absolutely agree. Um. All right, Evan. Play of the game. Mine is the very first play the Cavs ran. Okay. So here's what happened. Cavs get they win the tip. They get the ball. They run this little play where uh, Jared Allen and Kevin Love both kind of cut through and move around. Uh, they feed Kevin at the elbow after Jared has moved through to the opposite block. Colin kind of darts up, hands Kevin the ball, and Kevin, you know, feeds to Sexton as he runs through, and then Sexton finds Jetty Osmond in the corner because they collapsed on him and there's an open three. Jetty makes the three. Like, the Cavs just don't run a lot of second-side action. They don't run a lot of stuff with a lot of moving parts. Like, they don't do a lot to often have off-ball defenders have to work. Like, they didn't do much of this the rest of the game, and they got shellacked in this game, obviously. This team posted an offensive rating of 105.3, which is garbage. But um, that was good. And I, I think, you know, like, people on Twitter are joking, like, Nate Bjorkman for offensive coordinator. Like, I, you need you need some kind of reinvigorated juice for this for this team next year. Yeah, you need like a Nate Bjorkren who I don't think is going to last in Indiana. Um, well, Greg down. Foster, they're, they're, Greg, Greg Foster literally was fighting, who's one of their assistants, was fighting with Goga Batatze on the sideline during their loss to the Kings. The Kings, who don't have Halliburton or Darren Fox. Um, shouts to Fear the Sword contributor Mark Schindler, who also writes at Indy Cornrows. I think he might, he does a lot of work for them, does their podcast as well. He called Marvin Bagley the third. Um, I think Wilt, who currently right now has 30 points, 12 rebounds. Um, future Cavalier Marvin Bagley, he's going to get that bag from the Cavs, if you know what I'm saying. 
Oh gosh, it's it's. I think the Pacers are quitting, and that's kind of a shame because that's a team we point our fingers to and say like, well, maybe the Cavs act like that. I'm doing the Bernie fingers, Bernie Sanders finger wag for people listening. Um, I don't know. Bjork would be fun. Kenny Atkinson would be fun. But the question is, do any of these coaches want to come and be the lead assistant for Cleveland with just kind of how weird things are overall? Uh, I, I was going – I wrote a thing during this game uh, concurrently while watching and taking notes in this game about the Pacers for, for Uproxx. And um, the Pacers draft history, if you want to, like, feel a little bit better about the Cavs, just go to Basel Reference look at the Pacers draft history. It's, like, actually extremely bad. Yeah, Goga was an interesting choice, especially when they committed money to Sabonis and Turner. What if, yeah, what if we keep these two centers, refuse to trade one of them, and then also take a center with a first-round pick? Yeah, TJ Leaf, not a good look. Um, just not good overall for the Pacers. It's all right, not, not not great. Evan, I think that's all. I think that's it. I don't. Uh, I, don't I, I this game was just like classic late season basketball, and that that's okay. It, it, you know. Hey, Anderson Verja played. It was a lot of fun. My heart was singing for a brief moment. I got to educate you and Ashley on when the Cavs had a snuggy giveaway with their Verigel wigs. And also, it was cool to see Larry Nance Jr. wearing a Verigel wig. And also, speaking of Larry Nance Jr., it was also cool that he auctioned off a J.R. Smith jersey, a player who doesn't have a great relationship with the organization. So maybe things are kind of smoothed over. I don't know. We'll see. But that's still pretty cool, too. I don't know. I'm just I'm going to ride the good vibes. Maybe it's the cold medicine talking right now. I don't know. My, uh, my column um, in the New York Times editorial page that is... This is not a real thing, obviously. But uh, if Larry Nance can get Kobe Altman and J.R. Smith like play a round of golf together, uh, give him the Nobel Peace Prize. By the way, J.R. Smith apparently has a golf podcast now. Really? Yes. I learned this by looking on Instagram yesterday, and I'm I'm fascinated by this. What do you podcast about for golf? Do you talk about the different greens, some putters? What's your What's your Sunday fit? I don't know. Evan, Evan, as you can tell, is extremely into into golf. I, I, I watched the Masters and I was really enjoying it. And I had that moment in my late twenties. I'm 28 for those listening. I'm like, oh my god, I'm turning into my father. And yeah, I'm gonna start picking up golf. I think it's gonna be my new hobby. Chris and I are gonna hit the range soon. Uh, it'll be the first time we see each other in years. He's gonna punch me and then hug me because yeah, I kind of deserve it. But. Yeah, no, um, speaking of punch, the Cavs got smacked down. And, Chris, I think we got some bills to pay before I keep rambling here. So why don't well, you we're gonna, about we're, one of our yeah, sponsors? Yeah, we're going to – this is a man that could help you kind of deal with what's going on right now, and that's our, that's our friends at Headspace. So Headspace um, is the greatest tool that I have. I would – I honestly – I mean, I went golfing over the weekend with my father, and I was really anxious the first couple holes because I just get in my head, and I did a little mini Headspace breathing in the cart before the fourth hole, and I settled down. And I didn't play good. But I wasn't shanking my drives after that, and that was great. She lay on the ground and tell the ball to go back to its home. I did the Happy Gilmore thing where I was just screaming at it. Anyway, uh, Headspace help you with everything. You need help falling asleep. Headspace has a wind-down session their members swear by. And for parents, Headspace even has morning meditations you can do with your kids. Again, I use Headspace all the time. I use it to reduce stress, improve my sleep, boost focus, and increase my overall sense of well-being. When I have a day where I don't do a meditation at the time I normally do it in my routine, I generally feel worse, and um, I, I generally can't imagine uh, doing anything without Headspace. You deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com slash lockdownmba. That's headspace.com slash lockdownmba for a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. 
This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash LockedOnNBA. Okay, now we're going to take a little... You're gonna, uh, we're going to talk to Jay Crawford from WKYC about the Cavs, uh, part one of our two-part conversation with Jay Crawford. Two. And now we're thrilled to be joined by the Cleveland broadcasting legend, Jay Crawford. Jay, how's it going? Thanks for coming on. This legend, that's such, that's such a lofty status to live up to. How <laughs> Look, about just... Cleveland sports fan. <laughs> that, that that also works, but I I, I mean like we're that anytime we too. can get someone who's who's had the chance to take the 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 propaganda national and the Cleveland sports <laughs> propaganda national and ha- and can you know we're we're here to I'm turning up the volume just to kind of push us in that direction because all right why very not? good why not why not um, very good Jay let's just start with this I say the Cleveland Cavaliers you, what what is the what is some word association that comes to mind for you as they exist in this current moment. In this current moment, yeah. What do you think of them? I mean, I they they confuse invisible. me. Oh, invisible. Okay, I like it. Invisible. I like this. Here we go. <laughs> invisible, irrelevant, disappointing. Um, I think that sums it up, yeah. honestly. So, what 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 is the root cause of that to you? Because I, I think there's a bunch of different things. Like looking at this, covering losing. the team. Well, it's that, <laughs> losing. But I, I I think even for me, like I almost wonder how much it goes deeper than just like the organization is weird. I think like just they're kind of like a weird organization. They do things weirdly. Like the Verja thing is what it is. But like I think everything just with this team just ends up being weird and. Um, that I think that contributes to it as much as the losing stuff. Like they have guys that I think people could get excited about. Um, people obviously I think this oh, co- they, the, the Colin, absolutely yeah the Colin Sexton stuff is what it is. But I think even like Isaac Okoro does stuff where you're just like this guy has something really interesting. Darius Garland has made a real leap. Um, but they're weird. They're just a weird organization. That's that's well said. Um, at the risk of sounding insensitive to Anderson Verjao, who I, I have to admit he's one of my all time favorite yeah. Cavs. Um, he will always hold that special place in all of our hearts for 2016. We <laughs> wish desperately that it, it was Anderson Verjao of eight years ago, yeah. but it's not, and it's never going to be. Mm-hmm. And I, I understand what they're doing. Bring them in, little wave to the crowd, tip of the hat, swan song, give the fans a chance to say how much we admired and loved him. But it's a bit of a freak show. It's a bit of a sideshow. This is professional sports. This is the NBA. Um, this isn't Jay Crawford getting called uh, to pitch for a minor league team as a publicity stunt. This is serious stuff. Yeah. And and the the fan base mm-hmm. takes this stuff very seriously. And on one hand, like I said, I don't want to sound insensitive to the idea because I love Anderson Verajal, but it's just a bit of a you know you're you're mailing in the the tail end of the season. Um, we're going to finish either 14th or 15th again in the Eastern Conference. And I just think that it sort of does sum up where this franchise is. Um, Weird is a perfect word, Chris. There's all kinds of bizarre things that have happened. Um, Look at the coaches that have been here. Um, (laughs) David Black, like, for a second, let's, let's tell ourselves that for a moment in time, for a seven-year season uh, collectively, we had the opportunity, or nine years, we had the opportunity to have the greatest player on the planet. Yeah. Um, but more than that, I, I'm, I'm talking under the current ownership group. Yeah. So I, I, when, I, when I knew I was coming on with you guys, 
I did this about six months ago to a buddy of mine that was insisting that Dan Gilbert's the best owner that Cleveland sports has ever had. And I said, is he really? Why? Well, we won a championship. So I said, no, I'm going to dispute that. In fact, I'm going to make an argument, and this is a hell of an argument, that he may be the worst. And and here's why. So last night, I went through and compiled the following numbers. I have a little whiteboard. Oh, I, I, I love that. I have, anyone who's not watching it. this on video is missing a treat. That's all I'm going to say. If you're listening to this in audio, you're missing out. So... Dan Dan took ownership of the team in March of 2005. So I just went from 2006 on all of the seasons in which he was the primary owner to date. And I, I, I put some numbers together and they're fascinating, to be honest. Um, I, what I did was I, I broke it into two sections, the Cavs with LeBron James and the Cavs without LeBron James. And we're, we're approaching seven seasons now of Dan Gilbert being the owner of the Cavs without LeBron James. At the end of this year, it will be a full seven seasons. And when I show you these numbers, you guys are going to fall out of your chairs. I hope, I, hope, I hope you can see them. No, so it's a much better handwriting than I have. What uh, you have here are nine oh, seasons sure. with LeBron James in the Dan Gilbert ownership regime. The Cavs are 484, 225 with a 655 winning percentage. Without LeBron James, almost seven seasons now, the Cavs are 156 and 368 for a winning percentage of 298. Now, here's where it gets even worse. In those years where they had LeBron James, they made the finals enough. They won a championship, so everybody thinks that Gilbert was the best owner in Cavs team history. But I'm going to give you a number of what the Cavs were in the NBA finals during the LeBron James years. Seven wins, 19 losses Yeah. in the NBA finals. Oh Seven wins, 19 losses in the pinnacle. Four of those obviously coming in 16 when we won it. Twice, the Cavs were swept. Mm -hmm. Once by the Spurs, once by the Warriors. Lost another one 4-1, 4-2 to the Warriors. Now I'm going to give you the number that will blow your mind. The Cleveland Browns have, <laughs> since that time, 2005, been pretty much the national standard for incompetence in sports. Am I wrong? No, you're not, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. I am going no, to show you the Cleveland no. Browns winning percentage going back to the same time Dan Gilbert became the owner of the Cleveland Cavaliers. The Cavs without LeBron are 298. The Browns over that same stretch, they also didn't have LeBron. Their winning percentage <laughs> is 321. So we, we hold the Browns That's up absurd. as this bastion of incompetence. And, and by the way, rightfully so, until yeah. until this, this latest regime came in. But when you take LeBron out of the mix, which, by the way, him being in Cleveland was of no doing from Dan Gilbert. In fact, you can make the strong argument he's not here because of Dan Gilbert. Rightly or wrongly, it was their personality mm -hmm. conflict that drove him to Miami. And it was he came back in spite of Dan Gilbert. He came back for one reason. 
He wanted to win a championship for Cleveland. He did that. Mm -hmm. And even though Dan Gilbert spent a ton of money and put a lot of pieces around LeBron, they had the misfortune of running into the one of the best teams I've ever seen in any sport in my lifetime in the Golden State Warriors. And that's unfortunate for Dan and for LeBron because it, it should have been three or four titles, if not for this all-time juggernaut. My point here is when you're seven and 19 in the NBA Finals with the greatest player on the planet, it's the GM's job and the owner's job to give this greatest player on the planet all of the resources that he needs to win championships. So the fact that we won one in LeBron's more than 10 years here, nine with Dan Gilbert as the owner, I think is an indictment of Dan Gilbert, not an endorsement. And when you look at the coaches that he brought in, of, of all the coaches that Dan Gilbert has hired, name a good one. Hurry up. Uh, is he? Ty Lue. I think Ty Lue's a good coach, but I, w- I would here's what I'll say to that as a caveat to this. Dan's choice, by all accounts, was David Blatt. Griff wanted yeah. to hire Ty. Yes, correct. I, now, the fact and that it was Blatt a similar was situation with John coach, Bayline. I mean, now. everybody in the in the NBA world looked at that hire and went, "Wait, what?" Yeah, like he what? was gonna, he was gonna, he was very well thought of overseas. Was gonna join Steve Kerr's staff with the Warriors and like get a chance to acclimate to the league. And like he obviously didn't know LeBron was coming, whatever. But like. I, I don't know if that I don't even think like with the Kyrie Dion Wiggins like if that was the team I don't know how he's doing anyway right like I don't know if the, he had the, the the ability to connect with the guys in a way that sort of like would have actually let you build something and like compare him to the Browns like the Haslam's like they, and and John Dorsey went with Freddie Kitchens huge mistake obviously they learned their lesson they went and hired Andrew Kevin Stefanski they went and got the guy. Sure. Right? They, they fixed learned, it. They learned. And they said, they hey, we're going to trust the really smart people who know football. We're going to let Andrew Barry make this coaching hire. Also got to tell you about our friends at Bet Online before we get back to Jay. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. This week has tons of sports action on the go as the NFL draft is on and the Kentucky Derby is back as the first leg of the Triple Crown begins this weekend. Get all the latest news, odds, and info from all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all of your UFC slash MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online your online sportsbook experts. Again, the promo code is locked on. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it is now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questions and wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer, choosing the only brand his warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? 
Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so you know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Check them out today at rockauto.com. I'm also writing down numbers on this blackboard, and this number is the position out of 15 teams that the Cavs have finished in when LeBron hasn't been here. So it's kind of a yardstick to other teams in the East. It'll be seven years this year. I currently have them in 14th because that's where I think they're going to finish. That's where they currently sit, 14th out of 15. The seven years in the Gilbert regime without LeBron on the roster, Dead last, 13th, 13th, 10th, 14th, 15th, 14th. I mean, the numbers the numbers speak for themselves. They are what they are. And this franchise, without LeBron James, has been an abject failure in the Dan Gilbert ownership regime. And if not for having the absolute perfect storm of having the number one pick when the kid from Akron was eligible to come into the NBA. And if not for LeBron having a bit of a conscience, even if it was for a moment, and deciding he wants to come home to deliver a championship to Cleveland, then what do we have? We have a fan base that's supposed to get excited about bringing uh, an older, retired for several years player back to take a farewell tour and a tip of the cap. And we have an NBA franchise that has hired one coach after another, after another, which is underperformed. And I know it seems extremely harsh. And we, we did win the championship in 2016, and for that, we'll always be eternally grateful. And I will give Dan Gilbert credit for the team that he put around LeBron James the second time, for the second coming. He did give him the pieces. Now, Kyrie was obviously here because of our ineptitude once LeBron left. So we had that draft pick. It may have taken an act of complete genius to be able to keep those pieces together here for longer than we were able to do. And maybe it was impossible to begin with. And there was a certain measure of acquiescing that Dan had to do to LeBron that at some point probably felt beneath him because, you know, who's running this thing? The owner, the general manager, or the star player? So that, that becomes a real issue, too. But when you look at what today's NBA has become, and I think we'd all agree it's become an attraction of stars in key franchises, the Lakers, the Clippers. You have a huge inherent geographic location now. Guys want to go to destinations. The only reason Cleveland was a destination for that minute on his second coming was because LeBron was here. So it was easier to attract players to come to Cleveland because they wanted to attach their star to his wagon and they wanted to get a ring. But minus LeBron James, and in today's current NBA structure and the way teams are built, do either of you ever see the Cavaliers ever being relevant in the next decade? I mean, are we going to be a destination of attracting stars on our own? No. I don't. I don't know. I, I don't. I, I don't think we are. Yeah, Evan, Evan Hesian, go ahead. Uh, on, 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 
unless the Cavs happen to uh, this year's draft class is pretty loaded at the top, and the same can be said for next year. If the Cavs, they, they're a team who has to rebuild through the draft. Maybe they make those smart marginal trades like they did for Jared Allen. But Evan, I agree with that, like that. But just when the player is reaching their okay, they've arrived because it takes a contract. But they're yeah. free agents. Yeah. And what are they going to do? They're going to go like today's modern player is. They're going to run off to join their buddies in Championshipville and try to load up on rings. We see it in Brooklyn. We see it in Los Angeles. We've seen it in Boston's the one that's in my in my view, started this mess. When they, when they had their big three, it, for me, it was handwriting on the wall that the league is done. They're done. You're going to have a handful of franchises. And when I say handful, guys, I mean four or five franchises that can legitimately win the NBA championship. How many teams are there this year in your guys' view? How many? Brooklyn, Philly, Milwaukee. I throw, even throw the Lakers in there Lakers, because no, Lakers, despite Clippers, their record. Suns, you know, Jazz. Yeah. Suns and Denver. What, Denver would have Denver would have been there if Jamal Murray doesn't tear his ACL. I don't have ACL. Denver. Well, that, that's yeah. what I was just going to say. I don't have Denver in my current group, but Chris, you hit yeah. my current group yeah. exactly. You hit my now as we sit on the threshold of the next NFL season. We don't know what's what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. We have no idea. But I can tell you this: the number of franchises that can legitimately, legitimately, have hopes of making it to the Super Bowl, that number's bigger than six. Yes. You know, you may have six yeah. in each conference, and so my point to all of this is. The NBA and the way the league is currently structured has basically told its fan base, we are a league of superstars. We're not a league where you can dig your teeth in on a franchise and hope for that talent cycle to regurgitate itself, and you're going to be back near the top in 10 years. The the league isn't built that way because, Evan, I'm excited about the draft too, like you. I have high hopes about the draft. But I also, I'm aware of, it's, it's the same thing in Major League Baseball. The Indians can afford only to draft and develop talent. They can't afford to retain talent. Now, I'm not, I'm not criticizing them for the Frankie move. That would have been suicide, franchise suicide, had they decided to, to give Frankie what he was asking. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, has he lived up to that contract? No, not hanging on well, so far point, with the Mets, no. And, and he can't. He, he never will. I don't care if he brings... He'll have to bring three World Series championships to live up to that size of a deal. Particularly with Mets fans who already have an inferiority complex playing in New York. They, they don't want one or two. They want to they topple the evil empire. They want to be the Yankees. Well, I don't know that they can do that, even with Frankie and all the talent they've assembled. So my, my point to all of this is, Cleveland, by virtue of the way professional sports outside of the NFL, the way professional sports are currently constituted, Major League Baseball, there are seven or eight franchises that are Major League. The other 22 are 4A. They're they're feeders to the Yankees, to the Angels, to the Cubs, to the... Even the Red Sox now have gotten out of that business of of spending big money. When they named him Mookie, yeah. And look where they are now. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying they're going to hold that position, but so, and in the NBA, it's the same thing. So even if you draft the next LeBron James, let's say you do. Yeah. Do we have the talent around him to, for him to win rings? No. He's going to look around and see three superstars together in Brooklyn. 
and three superstars together in L.A. and superstars congregating in other places outside of Cleveland. And his choice when he becomes a free agent is going to be simple. Which of those mega powers do I want to join? So the NBA has a serious problem in 20 of its 30 NBA cities right now. And I I hope they fix it because I was once upon a time a huge fan of the NBA. And now, guys, I hate to say it, but my team doesn't have a chance. So there's nothing for me to see there. There's there's absolutely nothing for me to see. Here's here's where I think I disagree very slightly. I think you're most the very most right. I think that the 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 stars conglomerating certainly makes it really hard. Like it's like it's hard for you to like if you get the next young guy, like you might leave. Like Bradley Beal is sort of the exception to like the rule of a guy staying in in a place for a long time, right? Like he's he's like the one guy. you know, like, and and I and I think sometimes like the way we cut like get the league gets talked about like wondering like who's going to get traded next. I think that feeds into it. Like I think the amount of stuff that gets talked about that isn't like the actual basketball ends up feeding into some of this stuff, which I think is, is a problem. But I think the other thing is like the Cavs shoot. Well, yeah, it's 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 gross when people yeah, are already like that, speculating like, we, like, that Zion's going to be leaving we, New Orleans yeah, for New like, York. It's going to happen, guys. It's, he's not going to play his whole career yeah, in I, New I, Orleans. But it's like let's wait till he's like a closer to free agent than like he's in his like first like full non like bubbles. Like, it's just it's just weird. But you I think know that's that, what the media yeah, does. Yeah, so that's what they do. Yeah, I I, I think objectively, yeah. I, mean, I just don't like doing that. But I think secondly, the Cavs do a lot of stuff that I think just like shoots themselves in the foot of ever like even being like the Pacers, right? Like if you could tell me that the Cleveland Cavaliers could like. Yes, they maybe go through some coaches. Front office will change. The players will change. Like you could get a guy like Old Depot makes All NBA and then gets hurt and wants out, and you have to move on in in a flash. Or Paul George leaves, whatever. They have, the Cavs don't pivot well. Some of that at the end of LeBron era, like you you close to exhausted resources. That there was always going to be this dip, but they've never quite pivoted in a way that like allows you to at least then like rebuild in a in a way that like is sort of coherent, right? Like I can distinctly remember being at the press conference where Larry Drew. Um, was they couldn't even like figure out how to get Larry Drew like his contract after he took over for Ty, and because they were, couldn't figure out the title, and then he gives this interview like a couple months later, like the, my the joy of the game is like sucked out of my body basically, right? Like right. Yeah. The, the Cavs have just never done uh, just for whatever reason. They do everything in a way that I think makes things harder on themselves. They they overcomplicate things. They like, and I think some of it is like I just like and and I don't, who's I, who like we're in the blame business. I mean, what, rightly or wrongly, yeah. we're in the blame business. And I've always been critical of Brown's ownership. Yep. I thought that they were they were never going to be successful as long as Jimmy Haslam was inserting himself into critical decision making. Like, are we going to take Johnny Manziel or not? I, I felt like as long as the owner is that guy, yeah, like Jerry Jones ish, you're never going to be successful. And 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 you know, it's the same thing with Jerry in Dallas. Go take a look at Jerry. With Jimmy Johnson and without him. Well, and like no Jimmy Johnson is Jerry Jones, LeBron James to Dan Gilbert. Well, He's had zero success there. And like no modern like in Jerry, the Jerry Jones thing is like no modern football guy would tell you take Ezekiel Elliott number four overall. Zeke was a great college player. You don't take a running back number four anymore. You don't take Micah Parsons, no. a linebacker in the modern NFL like at number nine. Like you just don't do that. It's a you don't. It's a huge mistake. And so my point, Chris, is when when you have an owner like that who's making critical decisions, despite the fact he's paying people to make those decisions, who have built a career of making those decisions. Jimmy's saying, you know what? I've run a successful truck stop, and I think I know what I'm doing here, Mm -hmm. and I'm now going to discount your expertise in football, and I'm going to tell you, you got to take Johnny Manziel. That would be the equivalent of 
insert general manager's name here, walking into Jimmy's truck stop and saying, you know what? I know this is your world and I know you've built it well and you've been successful, but I think we should do it this way. Well, why would you listen to an outsider tell you as the expert what to do when it comes to critical decisions? Now, all of that being said, it sounds like I'm beating up on Jimmy. I did that for a decade. I'm not anymore. And here's why, guys. He finally realized, you know what? It's time for me to know what I don't know. Yeah. And what I don't know is football. I thought I did. I thought I could come in here and fake it. I saw Jerry do it in Dallas and have some moderate success early. I thought I could do it, and I was wrong. So what has he done? He went out and he hired, I, I say there are four pillars to an NFL franchise. The owner, the general manager, mm-hmm. the head coach, mm-hmm. and the quarterback. And if you have three of those, your building's going to tip. It's going to tip. A table can't stand with three legs once you set stress on it. So it's the same thing with an NFL franchise. By virtue of hiring the right people, that ownership pillar is suddenly sturdy and strong because it's staying in its lane. You know what an owner of a franchise is supposed to do? Hire great people and write checks. That's it. That's where their contribution ends. Not recommending who you should take with a very pivotal draft pick. And now he knows that. So now you've got the ownership pillar is firm. The general, Andrew Barry's killing it, guys. The, 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 yeah. the, the pillar of general manager is solid. Yeah. Kevin Stefanski is rock solid. And for now, Baker Mayfield is rock solid. You've got a franchise on sturdy ground. And so with the Cavs, it would be your superstar player. Okay? So... Not, not the quarterback. So you've got the ownership group in Gilbert. I think I've, I think I've successfully demonstrated that, you know, two fifteens, two fourteens, two thirteens, and a ten when LeBron hasn't been here. That's been their ranking in the Eastern Conference. That speaks for itself. That pillar is not sturdy. Yep. Head coach. Well, I mean, nothing against Bickerstaff. I think he's a fine head coach. I think he's got an unwinnable situation here. So I, I'm not even going to. I'm not going to say that's a sturdy pillar. Who's your star player? Who's your star player? Kevin Love you, yeah. is here sometimes, and sometimes he's not. And sometimes when he's here, he's committing these bonehead plays where he's telling everybody else in the organization that's supposed to be looking up to him as the veteran and the big paycheck guy, show us the way. You know, show us the way, leader. And and yeah. we saw his meltdown against Toronto where he's like, you know, here, take three free points. Because they don't count. They don't. Nothing. None of this matters. And maybe it's yeah. frustration boiling over. I don't know what it is. I'm not sure because he didn't tell us. But the fact of the matter is, on one hand, you've got this Browns organization that was had no pillars two years ago, three years ago. But because of the structure of the league, you have a better chance of maintaining a successful and a competitive operation by virtue of a lot of things. You know, the franchise tagging of superstars. The, um, the the fact that the talent cycle is, it's inherent that the talent cycle does regurgitate itself because the team that finishes last gets the first pick. And if you do that enough, you're going to get it right. So the mm-hmm. NFL structure is built in a way that you have to really try to suck for a decade. And the Browns did it for two. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that defies logic. I had a, an unnamed head coach in the NFL tell me, and I, and I thought about it after he said it. I'm like, you know, you're right. He said, 
I'm not sure which is more difficult to achieve in today's NFL. The run of greatness that we've seen from the Patriots for this extended two-decade period or the run of incompetence that we've seen for a stretch of two decades for the Browns. Because the league is set up for that to never happen. It's set up to never happen. And it's also set up to make sure that a team doesn't live at the high end of the talent cycle for two decades. But just as the Browns defied it and stayed at the bottom for two years, the Patriots defied it and stayed at the top for two years. And that's a legitimate question. I don't know which one is more difficult, to stay at the top or to stay at the bottom. But they're equally difficult in my view. And the Cavs have had two different sort of tenures or, or regimes um, during during Gilbert's ownership. They've had LeBron yeah. when they've been at the top. And without LeBron, two 15s, two 14s, two 13s, and a 10. That's... That's where we are. So that goes to my, where are the Browns now? Are the Cavs now? My answer originally was invisible, irrelevant, disappointing. That's why. So I think the thing that is really important to note about this, and I think that I think, well, I think, I think agree with, think about who the Cavs have hired as executives under Dan. Let's say Danny Ferry, but then Chris Green gets the job. Okay, then who's hired after the David Griffin did a great job, but David Griffin was a guy that was inside the organization, right? Griffin, Dan leave by all accounts due to Griff wanting full control, Dan not willing to give okay. it up. Who's the? I'm f- glad you brought so, that up. No, I'll the, come back to that, but go ahead. No, so, yeah, yeah. So then they after Griff, they go, hey, I'm gonna try to hurt Chauncey Billups, who I know really yeah. well, okay, and give him full control. Yep. He's never worked in front office work. Great player, etc. Okay, doesn't work. Who does he? Who does he hire? He hires Kobe yeah. Altman. Okay, Kobe Altman, another guy that was internal. And Kobe Altman has now just tort- like, hello, Kobe. I would love to just talk to you for ten minutes on a Zoom, please, for the love of God. I would. I have questions. No, it won't happen. Okay, it it won't, and it drives me insane. And I, I, it's this is my personal, just like personal voodoo doll for myself. Then when they, when there when there's a little floating out there of like who the Cavs might hire if if Kobe were to be let go, it's Brock Aller, who is really close with Dan and now works for the Knicks. It is another cool, like not technically internal hire promotion, but it's another guy that Dan knows. Go outside of your comfort zone. Go hire the smartest guy who works for the Nuggets or who runs the Raptors G League program. Go hire that guy or woman, whoever. Just hire that person. You're using logic now, and that doesn't work. Because when big (laughs) egos are involved, what do big egos do? Big egos are always the smartest guy in the room. Look at Jerry in Dallas. I have talked to former Cowboys players. Hall of Fame marquee guys that will never say this publicly, but have told me privately, two different players have told me privately, as long as Jerry owns this franchise, they will not win another Super Bowl. Regardless of, unless he completely steps away and does what Jimmy did in Cleveland. Write checks and hire the right people. Don't hire your friends. Chauncey Billups, I love Chauncey. I worked with Chauncey at ESPN. I found Chauncey he, to be might, intelligent, he's a, engaging. He knows the he, game, but there's no track he's a, record. He's apparently a well. He's apparently going to be like a great head coach, but he went and like worked for Ty. Yeah, yeah, and he might get hired this cycle. Yep. But it's like you were going to be like, hey, studio analyst who I know and like have a relationship with, and then put him into the head of my whole organization. Yeah. That's galaxy brain stuff. It is, and so I, I'm glad you brought up Griff because, in my view, if you're going to look for a critical turning point in this franchise's long-term history it was it was the divorce with griff 
Griff knew what he needed to be successful here. He needed to be the guy that made the decisions. And I don't know where you are on him. I happened to, I was a huge fan. I thought that yeah. I, I thought that he was the guy that this franchise needed. Yeah. Not just in the LeBron well, era, so, but beyond as well. He knows the he, game. Even just as a human being, I got to talk to him a couple times after he left when he was working for NBA TV. Right? And I had never talked to him in person before. Maybe it's a media event on stuff and, and whatnot. But he was like, hey, how are you, Chris? Like, I've been reading yours. Like, he was like an actual human he being about me. And I understand that there, right, I understand there is a wall of separation between us yeah. and, the, like, I understand we're not going to get Kobe every single week. But, like, Dan, David talks to human beings. David Griffin talks to people in the media and other, and other people like they're actual human beings. I, I read the Kobe Altman statement the other day. I see how he, like, the one press conference, it doesn't feel, like, authentic. It feels very forced. It feels very, like, what are we doing here? And then, like... It just doesn't – something about it feels like off. And I, I would love to know, like – you'll never get this on the record, but, like, if I could ask – if I could ask the locker room all one question, they all had to ask answer me honestly, I would want to know what they think about how they interact – what interacting with Kobe is like. Because I get the sense that they trust JB and like JB, but what do they think of upper management? J- what do they think of Kobe? Yeah, J- and he's not the there? problem. He, he's not. Like, well, no, not at all. I, I think and he's, he's going to be a he's successful been put coach. Out there, he's going uh, to be. Well, and then he's been the guy that he's been the guy that every single day because he has to talk to the media all the time. He's out there taking he's their the fire. Guy that, he's out there taking their yeah, fire. And he, and he and he to his credit is like yep. when the player does something dumb, it's like, hey, my fault. We got to do like when Kevin didn't take shots the other day, he said, hey, we got to move the ball to yep. better. He's never going to play the blame game, and that's a really smart thing to do. It's a it's a commendable thing to that's do. That's why he'll be a but good he coach deserves to take all that fire. It just won't be here. Yeah, it won't be here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's just, it's just funny you mentioned Griffin. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Pete Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts like Chris and myself. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.